Hello, welcome back. This is the Quacked Out Pod. This is Charlie. This is also Reed. Say what's up, Reed. How you doing? Uh, doing well. I'm excited for Thanksgiving and all of that. Um, yeah, how you doing? Pretty well. Recovering from the atrocious... I've used the word atrocious like three times now to describe this game. It still has the same effect. Uh, recovering from a rough week for Oregon sports all around, really. Uh, between the basketball teams not doing so hot and then we know what's up with the football team, it's rough times right now. I'm relying on like MLS to keep my sports happiness levels at, uh, maintained, I guess. How about you? Blazers are looking all right too, really. Yeah, they had, true, a, they had a solid uh, performance last night. Yeah. Yep. Um, we're here this week to talk about the original biggest rivalry that Oregon had, at least when we were growing up, it's safe to say. Uh, the Oregon State Beavers. The Beavers present a lot of similar challenges that Utah did last week, uh, and we'll obviously get into all of those. But before we do that, we had some news today. Alex Forsyth will be returning for his senior year next year, so he said he won't be walking out on senior day. That's a good sign. Obviously, he's a key part of that offensive line. If you want to learn more about the offensive line and just kind of the general, maybe you don't really understand what an offensive line rotation is or why we're doing it, uh, I just wrote about it at the Daily Emerald, so go check that out at dailyemerald.com. It's also on my Twitter uh, or at ODE Sports on Twitter, so go check those out. Reed, what have you been working on this week? Yeah, I've been doing, um, I did an interview with, uh, with the 2023 player Roderick Robinson. He's running back out of Lincoln High School in San Diego. Um, same place that Jaleel Tucker and Jaleel Florence are at. Um, so you can check that out over on Scoop Duck. If it's not posted, it will be soon. Uh, doing my preview, finishing that up on the on the Civil War uh, or former Civil War. Um, yeah. And yeah. Yeah, working hard on on that stuff. Recruiting season's about to really pick up, so so that should be fun this this spring and winter. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, we also got the depth chart for this week. For once, it's a little bit different than what we've been used to seeing uh, from the Ducks, which I guess is is nice to see. Um, Ryan Walk also listed at right guard as the starter. You know, doesn't look like that part has changed much. I don't think he's expected to be healthy um wide receiver is probably obviously the most interesting developments dante thornton listed as a co-starter with troy franklin at the z franklin also listed as a co-starter with devin williams at the x um it wasn't the way i thought it would happen but uh a lot of the naysayers about the uh shorter receivers in Oregon's program are getting what they want in this final game of the regular season. Um, and then Chris Hudson and Seven McGee, the two deep at uh, your slot receiver. So that's also an interesting one too. Um, do you think that's an X factor? You're loading up to say something. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that um, I agree with what you said about, you know, it, it's not the way people expected, but a lot of the, bigger and kind of higher ceiling guys are getting a chance at wide receiver now or getting more time than they had a chance before but getting a heavier load i guess mm-hmm. uh, and i think that's a good thing probably for this program moving forward 
Um, yeah, seems seems good um, overall. I think obviously you you would love for Johnny Johnson and Jalen Red to be able to play on Senior Day, but these are good reps for these guys to get. Uh, and it looks like um, all four of these main guys will will be back next year. We'll see on Devin Williams, mm-hmm. um, but I think he probably is back. Is what I'd lean towards. Um, and so I think it's it's probably a pretty good bet that these four are going to be carrying a bulk of the workload next year, maybe along with, you know, if Seven McGee continues that slot, we'll see how that goes. Um, and, you know, maybe a guy like T-Mac who's coming in will, will step into the rotation. But these four are going to be a big part of the receiver room going forward. Uh, and a few of them maybe even pass next year. So... Mm-hmm. So I think it'll be fun to see them get some increased reps and opportunity over these, you know, final few games. Yeah, I wouldn't have fans forget about Isaiah Brevard either. Obviously, he's came in with that mm-hmm. freshman class with Troy and Dante. Uh, didn't obviously hasn't had nearly as much action as they have, but who knows? Maybe he squeezes in there next year too. Uh, overall, though, I mean, we do this all the time. Like this is not we're not looking forward to next year because it's like we think the season is over or anything. And we actually wanted to bring that up a little bit. Like, we, we mentioned it last pod, and there's still some people doing this. Do not take the damn Rose Bowl for granted. Like, again, as uh, No Truck Stop said this on their pod, like, pretty much every program in the Pac-12 except Oregon and uh, USC would give an arm and a leg to even be in the Rose Bowl once, much less, like, you know, have a shot at it. Uh so be happy that we're in the Rose Bowl. Now, I understand that this program has higher aspirations than that, but I don't know how you can look at the limitations this roster has and be disappointed with a Pac-12 championship or even a, a shot at a Pac-12 championship. Um, so we are not in total play-the-kids mode uh, for this game against Oregon State. Is that right? Yeah, 100%. Um Rose Bowls are a big deal, man. I think there's been a lot of conversation about what expectations for this program should be. Um, And for me, you know, I I don't know what you want to call it. Um, I kind of break it down between, you know, what's expectations and what are the goals or aspirations. Playoffs, obviously a goal. A national championship is a goal. But I think expectations at Oregon, um, for me, 10 wins and – you know, a trip to the conference championship is pretty much what it should be uh, in terms of like, if you're achieving that, I don't want to hear anything about hot, hot seat discussion. And that's how I define expectations. It's like, you know, when, when you're falling below expectations, that's when we start to worry about, you know, should we make a change here? And for me, it's like 10 wins, you win the division, you play for a conference title. I'm, that that's good enough to be secure in your job and for us to you know yes we're not going to be complacent about it and i can assure you that Cristobal isn't complacent about where the program is but i think that also you recognize hey we're in a better position than a lot of people and we're building towards things you know it, it doesn't all happen in one year um and just because you call one season good doesn't mean you don't want for something better to happen also and or that you know calling it good doesn't mean that you can't achieve the better things in the future so mm-hmm. yeah 
I think all that stuff's kind of kind of silly at a certain point. Um, you have a chance for a Rose Bowl. 2019 Rose Bowl was awesome. One of the best memories I have as a Duck fan. Um, and if if we somehow got to that point this year, I think that would be awesome as well. So yeah, that's my take on it. For some reason, though, and I can't really put my finger on why. Maybe it's just the, the makeup of the different teams. But, like, the attitudes between this team and the team in 2019 seem totally different right now. And, I mean, mm-hmm. maybe I just have to catch up on more, like, interviews and stuff from this week. Uh, but just getting demolished the way we did against Utah is super demoralizing. And, like, like we mentioned this last episode, too. Like, that team from two years ago struggled against Oregon State for a while in that last game. Kind of took that yep. pale right kick return to sort of break the deadlock. Um, but I don't know. I, it just doesn't seem like this team believes it is the best team in the conference. And I think it's safe to say that last team two years ago did. Um, again, maybe that's because the the first loss two years ago took place like out of conference and we've lost two conference games now in this one like maybe that has something to do with it maybe it's just the sheer amount of injuries have just built up and like this team maybe that's where some like some of the demoralized feelings come from do you feel that way yeah i think i think that you know i think that the finish of 2019 kind of changed the narrative a bit from what we were feeling at that at this point in that season, you know, I think that we were feeling pretty similar to how we are right now um, in in 2019 after the Arizona State loss is my memory of it. I think it was demoralizing. There was disappointment about uh, missing the playoffs for a while, and that was kind of reflected too in the fact that, uh, like you said, Oregon did come out pretty kind of flat against Oregon State that year. Um, and it was close. That Oregon State team wasn't as good as this one, too, um, and it took the Mikhail Wright thing to, to break it open. I don't know, though, about, you know, does this team believe they're the best in the conference? Um, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. I mean, it's tough to say that after how dominant Utah was. Um, but, yeah, for me, it was in, in 2019 even. It was kind of a flat week, and, and then we really saw them have a chip on their shoulder and kind of sh- surprise a lot of people uh, in that Pac-12 title game. So I'll, I'll be interested to see how this game looks, but also, um, you know, what if, if there's an improvement in a potential Pac-12 title uh, if Oregon gets there. Yeah, yeah. Again, we flew a little bit close to the sun in week two, and now we are where we are, like, I understand mm-hmm. the, the sentiment. Like, I don't get me wrong. I completely understand why people say outlandish things like, oh, you know, a Rose Bowl is what it, you know, it's whatever, but we're, we have our sights set on the playoff. Like, anyone can look at our schedule and the results of this season and totally understand why somebody is saying that. Uh, the difference is, like, how how much have you really lived through with this Oregon team as a pro with this program, not necessarily this team? Like Rose Bowls, like you're saying, used to be just the ultimate goal. That was it. If you can get to a Rose Bowl, you're in heaven, and that that's it. Like you didn't even have to win it. Just the fact that you were there was enough to like 
to be happy. And honestly, like, if Pac-12 fans trashing on you all week hasn't, like, <laughs> helped you get there, I, I don't know <laughs> what will. Because I hate every other damn program in this conference, and I hate all their damn fans. And uh, that's certainly true with the Beavers and also Utah. Like, I, I don't know about you, but I feel a rivalry brewing with this team. Um, they have that game where they smacked us in Autzen a few years ago in the dark days. Uh, obviously, we beat them in the Pac-12 title. It's like every every time these two teams meet, something crazy happens. Uh, and hopefully, we can get back to the Pac-12 title to have another one of those. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. That That's a bigger discussion for a different time, I guess, because let's go over maybe some final thoughts we have on this Utah game. Obviously, it was a pretty ugly one. Um the most obvious thing that stands out that we can, uh, you know, still be worried about coming into this week was the run defense. I mean, Utah is very good at running the ball, and we were helpless stopping it. We've played teams yeah. who are decent at running the ball this season. Um, again, that, <laughs> Ohio State's not good at everything, not just passing. They just don't need to run, so they didn't do it. Um that might be a problem coming up this week against Oregon State. Why were the Ducks so bad, and what can we do to change that? Well, I think part of the story with the Ducks' run defense that's really interesting is um, it's been really good at preventing explosive plays, uh, but as a result of that, you the per-rush per numbers are a bit deceiving um, because they don't have any of those outliers that are usually in the sample that kind of skew it a bit. Um, and so as a result, you look at the average and you say, I don't know what it's at specifically in the, I think it's in the four point something yardage range. Mm -hmm. um, if you know, but um, for the season or for the Utah game uh, for the season, I believe it, it might be that for the Utah game, I even though up, what it, yeah, I'll look at the Utah game real quick. The the Utes averaged, uh, yeah, four point two. That that's not that much, really. really not, yeah. um, now, but but the thing is, is they were successful running the ball because most of the time they got three yards, um, and you know, so so that kind of made it so they were able to move the ball when they needed to uh, and that's why they went back to it 50 times rushing the ball because they weren't risking negative plays on the rush um, and so that's you know that's the thing with the rush defense right now is is it can hold up fine but uh, it doesn't it doesn't knock teams off schedule enough running the ball um, and so that still allows them to have a lot of balance uh, and that, you know, is what creates problems. Um, mm -hmm. By the way, so, that, that year-long per rush number, uh, three and a half yards per play for the Oregon defense, which is number 20 in the country, actually. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. You, you kind of say, like, you look at those two numbers, and, and if you're just looking at those, you'd think, what are you talking about? This Oregon rush defense is pretty good, even really good. Um, but because it's so slanted towards stopping the explosive plays uh it means that you know on a on a given play it's not quite that impressive um 
And so that's a problem. Uh, and it's a problem versus a team that wants to run the ball all day long in Oregon State. Yeah, um, Oregon yeah. State uh, ranked just outside the top 10 in the country in rush play percentage. So the amount of times that they do choose to run the ball uh, at 62%. So it's well over more than half of their plays are on the ground. Uh, and they're very mm-hmm. good at it. They're, they have five point, They average 5.4 yards a rush, which is curiously actually right behind Oregon's at five and a half. Um, but either way, it's it's a top 10 number. Um, and then again, their rush yards per game, Oregon State's 230 per game, which is absolutely insane. Best in the conference, number four in the country. Again, not exactly what you want to see as an Oregon fan coming out of the Utah game. Uh, there are plenty of Oregon fans who are predict- legitimately predicting a loss in this game. The spread's only seven points, and for good reason. Mm-hmm. Um, again, this is just going to be like a good old-fashioned Civil War. I know it's not technically called that anymore, but like, I'm sorry. I'm going to have a hard time kicking that habit. Um, I don't care how this team plays. I don't care if we look like the worst team on earth during the game and scrape out a win. As long as we win. I'm happy. Like it can be three to zero and I will be overjoyed at the end of this game for the ducks. Um, which by the way, I, I don't see any way that it would end uh, with a low score. I think the total is in like the sixties for this one. It's both these offenses are really potent. So either way. Yeah. Uh, I have the, yeah, the total I see is, is at uh 60, I believe Jeez. just over 60, 60.5, I think. Um, um, anything else you want to mention from that Utah game? I mean, my biggest thing is just like motivation. We just look totally unmotivated. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think that's completely true. Um, another thing I, I will say, uh, in comparison to the, to the Utah game is obviously, um, you know, I feel kind of similarly as I did going into the Utah game in terms of, you want to be able to lean on an advantage in the trenches. Uh, and that wasn't true against Utah. Uh, but I think Oregon State is just a notch worse than Utah in the trenches. So um, if Oregon, and sometimes that's how it is, you know, it's it's kind of like uh, – if you're just that, you know, tiny bit better on the line of scrimmage, you can lean on that advantage and it turns into a bigger gap throughout it. Um, so where, you know, Oregon might have been a tiny bit outmatched versus Utah and that kind of, well, they were able to extend that advantage all night. If Oregon is just a little bit better than Oregon State, um, they might have a chance to kind of lean on that throughout the night. Uh, and I think that if you look at the recruiting rankings, um, that bears out. I mean, Utah has recruited to a point where they are putting themselves in this discussion with the middle of the conference. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they have 17 uh, four stars, which is kind of right around where where your Arizona States and Stanford's and UCLA's are. They're they're a tiny bit below them, but they're getting to that point, and they develop well, too. Uh, and Oregon State just isn't that. Um, they're, they have eight four-stars uh, on their team. Um, and so, I mean, 
and, and most of them are not uh, on in fact i don't think any of them are along are along the lines of scrimmage so that puts them in more of the territory with you know a wazoo in terms of talent or a cal maybe um and that's that is a pretty big difference i would say um and so that gives me some hope that the ducks will show up and and have a more impressive day in terms of controlling the oregon state run and also establishing the ball on the ground themselves the other game i keep going back to um when i look at this one and we mentioned this again on the last pod and if you want more utah reaction definitely go check that out because we have a full two hours about it but um the 2013 Oregon game was Oregon Oregon State game was in a very similar scenario, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Ducks kind of give up their, you know, biggest aspirations towards the end of the season, like that terrible game against Arizona, kind of putting a cap on things. Uh, and then, you know, we come play the Beavers at home, and it's an absolute slugfest. It might be like, I mean, apart from that 2009 game, I think it's safe to call it like the greatest entertainment wise like best civil war ever um certainly like in terms of talent too there were that was a good oregon state team like storm woods they made a yeah. bowl game that brandon year. cooks yeah yeah cooks on that team um so again i i'm ready for an absolute slugfest uh I'm, I'm ready for these two teams to duke it out i think if i had to isolate i really like the run i mean obviously your analysis like run defense is probably of the utmost importance in this game if i had to isolate another like segment of this game though it might be like the oregon state secondary uh now the beavers are pretty much middle of the pack in the pac 12 in terms of every defensive stat uh they're just kind of okay across the board like there's no place where they really stand out um but as you mentioned like with thornton franklin and williams all going to be getting the starting reps at wideout in this game like that should be an advantage against pretty much any team in the pac-12 and especially oregon states um it's not again like the beavers haven't been exceptionally bad at defending the pass or anything this year uh but again you mentioned the talent gap like it's a talent gap across the board we're kidding ourselves if we don't think that like it's more a question of motivation for me and execution at this point like again if if everything was decided by recruiting rankings like we would have been beating the brakes off utah like later in the season those things mean a little bit less generally speaking just because you you know more about a team by then uh but why not exploit it if it's an over advantage uh now the easy answer to that is well anthony brown can't throw the ball very well this brings me to my x factor um if he can throw the ball downfield, we saw a couple explosive plays against Utah who were just absolutely like daring us to throw over the top of them. I don't see a reason why we can't exploit that a little more against the Beavers. Uh, we're at home, not as tough environment. Hopefully we can minimize some dumb penalties that usually put us behind the sticks, which again was pretty much our main point on offense last week uh, in talking about the loss to Utah. So I said a lot of things there. Let's throw the ball over the top of these dudes. AB has no reason to like be conservative about this whatsoever. Either just Moorhead, honestly, like just go for it. Um, again, we got you know 
we do have something to lose, but not nearly as much as we've already lost. So I want to see us go for it. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I think, you know, the the home field factor is really helpful. Uh, senior night should be fun. Um, and the Beavs are a lot worse team on the road. Uh, now you could say maybe that's a little different because some of the normal kind of road habits are, are different when you're playing a team that's only two hours away from you or less than that. Um, you know, so you get to sleep in your bed and all of that. Um, and, and kind of, you don't have to get on a plane, weird stuff like that, that sometimes has an effect on teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really love the, the shout you gave to the 2013 game. That's honestly exactly kind of the type of thing I'm expecting. Um, and I think that was an awesome result for Oregon. Um, I'd be interested to, to, you know, hear from people who, the players who stayed over from from 2013 to 2014, obviously the year that Oregon had a, you know, the, the run all the way to the national title game, um, and find out, you know, what they thought of, of that win over the Beavers and whether that had effect, because I think it definitely did take what was a super, you know, brutal honestly stretch uh of stanford and then the big lost arizona um and it left you know more of a positive uh reminder in your head about what the 2013 season was um because of that late win and and josh huff catching the ball with 30 seconds left and Mm -hmm. that was just you know um a nice way to end the season and i think actually probably gave oregon some momentum and confidence going into that offseason uh and so i think just a win like that would would go a long ways for oregon um Mm -hmm. i don't care how ugly it is but i think that would be cool um and i think that doing it throwing the ball would be really nice too um one i think i would love if if ab could complete some passes and what will be his last start at autzen and we just don't have to deal with fan negativity and the booing and all of that that would just be super lame um and i think getting the new receivers involved having some big plays for them in autzen would be cool um and i think that that's not only would that stuff just be cool but i also think it's possible against the oregon state secondary like you said Mm -hmm. um yeah so something like that is what i'm feeling you know i mean that game ended 36 35 i think there's a good chance that this one ends somewhere around there um you know maybe yeah whatever it is you know 35 versus 31 or something but yeah, that, that's kind of what I feel on it, and and I think that if Oregon can get a win, I'll be happy with it. Honestly, um, that's just where I'm at this year. It's it's not not quite to the point where I expect blowouts versus conference teams, especially teams like Oregon State that have had a pretty good year. Mm-hmm. They've also had a pretty good record in Autzen. I mean, again, you talk. We again mentioned the 2013 game. Uh, 2015 in Autzen was pretty close as i recall even though that game really i mean considering what both teams have done i don't think it should have been uh 2017 is slipping my memory right now uh must have been with herbert at home 
No, it was a blowout. It was a big blowout. Really? Um, I'm pretty sure because that was the last game of the Taggart era. Right. Yeah, uh, you're right. And that was like a dominant Civil War. I'll pull it up right now. Yeah, it was. We we laid like sixty on them or something like that. Um, so yeah, okay, sixty nine sixty nine to ten. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> that well, was the absolute don't like to me, um, <laughs> bottom of the of the Beavs time though. They were one in eleven. I think that. They probably have Gary Anderson still at that point. He's yeah. about to get fired, if I remember right. So, or was it one of the jobs where he just quit? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then, yeah, you might be right there, actually. Um, okay. Either way, I mean, some people are kind of speculating that, like, oh, you know, we should keep an eye on the the Apple Cup on Friday because, like, the Beavers are still alive in the North, and that's extra motivation for them. I don't buy into that. They don't need any extra motivation. They hate us, and we are everything they hate about football, um, and they want to beat the hell out of us every single time they step on the field. It doesn't always work, a la 2017, uh, but it sure as hell worked last year, right, in a game that we had no business losing to them um, that we just coughed up. So I will say, though, uh, since I mentioned it, let's go over some of these scenarios. Um I still want to win the North, no matter how you feel about this team. If you're an Oregon fan, you should still want to win the North. Um, you should still want a shot at a Rose Bowl. Uh, if Oregon wins, we're in. Period. Doesn't matter what happens in the Apple Cup. Doesn't matter. Well, nothing else matters. Uh, the only way that Oregon State gets in is if Washington beats Wazoo and then Oregon State beats us. If yep. Wazoo beats Washington, and then wait, did I just go over that one? Yeah, yeah. If Wazoo, no, no, yeah. If Wazoo beats Washington, then uh, it's either us or the Cougs going. The Beavs don't have a shot. Uh, so just to you know rehash that right there, it, I don't feel like it's as complicated as some people make it out to be, but maybe that just means I spend <laughs> too much time doing this. Um, Either way, uh, again, the Beavers will be motivated, is my point. They don't, <laughs> whether or not they could face Utah in the Pac 12 title, like, they'll be up for this one. Some people, like Avery from No Truck Stops, have been predicting a Beavers win here since forever this season. Uh, <laughs> some of us have been a little less skeptical until recently. Um, Again, as I said, a lot of Oregon fans are legitimately predicting that this will be a Beavers win just because of matchups and motivations, momentum on either side. Uh, Reed, do you have a prediction for this one, like a score prediction? Um, I, I think it's going to be a really good game. I think that people shouldn't be too fooled by what Oregon produced at Utah now again we talked about that in the last podcast and it was a really bad performance um but i think that this game being at home in Autzen is a big deal um and i still just think I, ultimately you look at what oregon's done this whole season um and their talent advantage and all that I mean, there is a reason why oregon's a seven point favorite um and so, and I think that the Beavers have kind of overachieved at times this year. 
Um, I mean, they put together really good performances. It's and I don't want to take away anything from them. It's been really impressive what they've done, beating I think all uh, four of the other teams that started this season ranked. Wow. Um, USC, Washington, Utah, and Arizona State. They all beat this. Damn, year. that's a great stat. Yeah. So that's I mean that's awesome. Like that's a that's a huge accomplishment for Oregon State. Um, but at the same time, all those wins except USC came at home. That's a big thing. Um, and they've lost some weird games. I mean, they lost by two scores to Cal. They lost Colorado. Um, so they're not a total juggernaut, even though they've had a really impressive season. Um, anyways, all that is to say, you know, I expect the type of game that we've been talking about, um, kind of close, really competitive, maybe ugly game, but I think that Oregon's probably favored for a reason. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's probably going to be heavily scoring. So, you know, I'll go 34 31 Oregon something like that um and honestly no I'm gonna knock it down a little bit I think 31 for Oregon and like 27 for Oregon State because I do I, I think that maybe people are a little too high on how much these teams will score um particularly I think the Oregon defense I don't think they're gonna give up you know, I think low 30s, I could see Oregon giving up. But this team, this defense hasn't given up that many points all year. Mm-hmm. I mean, they gave up 31 to UCLA as the most they've given up all season. Yeah. Um, so the predictions that have Oregon State scoring, you know, 38 points, I just don't know if I really believe. Well, I guess they gave up 38 to Utah, but... Um, the punt oh, return is, is in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyways, I think Oregon State, I don't view as, like, the best offense Oregon's faced all year. Their the play calling's really good, but, you know, the talent obviously sets it back a bit. So, yeah. Anyways, that's my that's my prediction. 31-27? Yeah. When I asked this question, I was thinking, like, 35-34 something crazy like that i think it's either going to be that or just 13 to 10 something absolutely disgusting um (laughs) the weather for this game there might be rain uh either way it'll be cloudy and a tiny bit windy um so it's going to be a little bit chilly like pack your poncho and uh layer up like have a nice hard outer layer if you're in the stadium like us um this this one could get like disgusting uh maybe we'll see a sunset though in the stadium or at least like a fragment of one um yeah since the sun sets at 3 30 yeah yeah exactly um it says 4 30 on here but i mean that's that's not true um gosh yeah i i think i'll go i'll lean towards like the heavy scoring just because that's more fun and say like 35 34 Either way, though, I do think it's going to be close. Um, I don't know yeah. why. Well, I do know why. It's because these teams are pretty well-matched in terms of matchups at this point. But why are you getting that feeling as well? Well, yeah, I mean, like we like I said, I think 
yeah, they're, they're pretty evenly matched. Um, I think that yeah, the Beavs really like, uh, really care about the game against Oregon. Um, they have some guys who are are more West Coast guys who probably you know maybe wanted an Oregon offer and didn't get it or wanted to be more heavily recruited by Oregon and weren't. Um, so that's a motivation. Uh, and just in general, I mean, you know, they're so close by and Oregon obviously gets more attention, uh, in terms of football. So I think, yeah, I I just think there's a lot of motivation and I think they're a pretty good team. I think it's a rivalry game. I think the ducks are obviously, you know, a little bit, um, a little bit disappointed after the result at Utah. So it's going to be a good game, you know, and, and we, in all likelihood, and, you know, we we aren't really super into the predictions um, as much, maybe, uh, in terms of, like, I, I don't know. It's fun to throw a score out there, but I, I don't think there's that much skill in pinning down exactly what it will be. No, of course not. Uh, I think we're, we're kind of trying to give you a, an idea of, of outcomes that could happen that are likely, but at the same time, it it's a totally realistic outcome to me that, that Oregon State wins. Uh, and maybe wins, you know, convincingly. If the Oregon offense really struggles again, you know, it could easily be a 34-24 Oregon State win. Yeah, um, I agree with that, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Uh, digging in a little more to what the Beavers have to offer, B.J. Baylor is a name you should know by now. He is ninth in the country with 1,200 yards. Uh, so ninth in the country in total rushing, that is. 1,200 yards, that's quite a few um the beavers are really good at like situational play on third and fourth and shorts you'll see them bring in jack coletto who's like their i don't even he's like um god what's that former byu Taysom hill he's like how Taysom hill used to be for the saints a little bit well where they'll bring him in for short yardage situations and he he can either bulldoze his way to a first down or help block for somebody to get there uh or do something else. I mean, Oregon fans are familiar with that. We lost on that last year, literally. Um, but overall, they have a 52% conversion rate on third downs, which is pretty dang good if you're converting over half of them. That's, that's a good sign. The Ducks actually have a pretty even higher percentage, which surprised me. Um, I didn't really think we were that good at third downs just off the top of my head, but I guess that's why you look at stats. Um, but the Beavers aren't some places where they don't scare me as much is again, just the road factor and the talent factor together. The one road game they've won this year. Well, you know what, real quick, let's just go over their schedule up until this point. It tells you a lot about the team just based on what they did. Yeah. Uh, first game loss at Purdue in like, I think it was like a one score game. Uh, they weren't starting chance Nolan at the time, if that's right. Uh, yeah, they start Neuer and then Nolan comes in halfway through. Right. Uh, and and the QBRs kind of tell you everything you need to know. Neuer was eleven point one, and Nolan's ninety one point eight in that game. So it was a it was a good change, and that bore out through the rest of the yeah rest of the season for them. Yeah, they came home, had a couple good non con wins against bad teams, Hawaii and Idaho. Then they go on the road, and this is the result that really shocked people. Uh, in week four, they blew the brakes off of USC in the Coliseum. That's their lone away win this year, was that game in the Coliseum. At the time, USC was 2-1, and one, obviously still reeling from that Stanford loss, but they had just beaten Wazoo convincingly. So like, oh, you know, you'd expect them to win at home against Oregon State. 
No, they got crushed by the Beavers. Um, Oregon State then wins a close one at home against UW, and they're 4-1, and one, and everybody's talking them up. Uh, they then lose on the road to Wazoo in a close game. That was still back when they had Rolo, I believe. Um, they get a bye week, yeah. get that big win over Utah at home, and it honestly looked pretty convincing as well. Uh, this is this was Utah's only blemish on their schedule since week three, and they they kind of got bulldozed a little bit by Oregon State. If I were a Utah fan, I might be more concerned about facing the Beavers in the Pac-12 title than Oregon. Uh, but I don't want to have that discussion. Yeah. yeah. Um, they then have back-to-back losses against Cal and Colorado, the Beavers do, both on the road in weeks 9 and 10. Those are both really, really ugly uh, from a resume standpoint. Then they come home, beat Stanford soundly, beat ASU pretty soundly, Uh you know, Stanford was starting their, like, fourth-string quarterback. But ASU just seems unmotivated at this point. I'm not, like, taking anything away from that win. The Beavers just kind of squashed them. Uh, and so now here we are. This Oregon State team is 7-4. and four. Again, that win over Stanford was huge for them because uh, it meant they were bowl eligible. And then next week, even last week, uh, they beat ASU to go 6-0 and oh at home, which, again, is a super impressive feat uh so now they're kind of trying to even the score a little bit against us um eight wins would be huge for this oregon state team i mean their win total at the beginning of the year was something like two or three if i remember correctly at, uh, in vegas um i think we both took the over on that but still i mean at the beginning of the year you looked at this beavers team and looked at their schedule and it didn't really seem like they would be able to do very much um overall though i mentioned the defense is kind of mid like they're okay they don't do anything crazy um but overall this as i've kind of been mentioning like this is a game where i'll be less concerned about what we're doing situationally or like analyzing oh you know we we need to run the ball more we need to pass the ball more i don't care about any of that crap as long as we win i'm fine yeah yeah Oh, 100%. Um, I was kind of talking with you about this briefly before we started recording, but honestly, for me, you kind of get to this point of the season, and especially once the playoff hopes are dead, and it's like, it's just about getting results at this point, um, because you get into the off season, and, and people do remember sometimes only whether you finish, you know, nine and three or 10 and two, um, they don't really, you know, remember a lot of the nuances of it or, oh, you won an ugly game here or there as much as, you know, that final record does have an impact. And so in that regard, I think, um, yeah, you know, get the result however it, however it has to come. Um, I think that you look at the Beavers schedule, um, like you pointed out, um, you, you went through a lot of good results there. Um, and it's been an interesting thing. I think that the two games that I focus on most there, um, obviously it's the Utah win is a big one. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's the game you look at if you're in the camp of people that say, this game could easily go 34-24 Beavers. Um, the other game I look at, though, is is right before that, the Wazoo game. Um, and I think about, you know, 
it was just two weeks ago. It's hard. It feels like longer after, you know, what a, what, how scarring that Utah result was, but Oregon delivered one of the best performances of its season against Wazoo um, and showed how much it can exploit a team that it has a talent advantage over. Um, and I think that in terms of the Oregon offense versus the Wazoo defense, or now the Oregon State defense, uh, there's there's no reason that Oregon State that Oregon can't put together a similarly impressive offensive performance against Oregon State. I think. Um, mm-hmm. And then on the other side of the ball, um, the two schemes are almost couldn't be more different between wazoo and oregon state obviously um so that that's another side of it but i think just in terms of the offense for oregon there is a reason to think that they could have some success after a horrible performance against utah um based on what how the the direction this offense was going outside of the utah game especially against inferior competition was was pretty positive um, so if they pick that back up, uh, they have a good shot, you know, to score in the thirties. And I think if they score in the thirties, Oregon's going to be in a good position in this game. Another thing I want to point out just from looking at that schedule again is, uh, there's really only one close win the entire time. Uh, as you said, usually they just kind of beat people by like sitting on them. You know, they, they just kind of wear teams down throughout the game take a lead and then run the ball to keep it comfortable. Um, that win against Washington is the one exception and I'm pulling it up right now. I want to kind of see how they manage this final drive to kick the game winning field goal. So the game is tied at 24. They're still sticking to the ground game. Uh, three minutes left, three straight rushes for a first down um, before Washington actually calls a timeout. That's a little bit interesting. Uh, 14-yard run, 12-yard run, <laughs> and then Washington calls time again. Although I'm starting to think this is kind of a messed up sequence because like there's like multiple timeouts behind each other. I don't know. Maybe this was just something stupid going on. And by then they were in field goal range and they just kick it and it's no big deal. Um, is that something you're that gives you a little bit of? Uh, extra confidence going into this game is that like maybe the beavers aren't so good at throwing the ball or maybe they just don't have a lot of experience in that scenario well i think it makes me worry a bit um because it it makes the early part of this game that much more important and oregon has had a trend this season of spotting the opponent you know 10 14 or 14 points to start a game um, and I think that even when that happened against UW, uh, you know, the good news was their offense was so inept that, uh, yeah, you spot them double digits, but then you have the ball back, uh, and you look up and it's like, oh, there's eight minutes left in the first quarter still. We, you know, yeah, we kind of just woke up, but at least we're in a fine spot here, um, I think the worry with Oregon State is if you don't wake up for your first two possessions on offense and and you let them score on defense, you know, and and I think just by them grounding the ball, if they get a lead, you know, there's a more of a potential for 
this team to not wake up until you know midway or or the end of their second quarter and carry a deficit into halftime but uh, the other side of that coin is if you get a good start um if you have something like happened against wazoo where you have a play go your way to start whatever it is a turnover or something uh and you get up 14 points on the beavers early they're not built to come back from that uh easily at least um you're going to have to mess up and let them back in the game for them to do that. So I think the the early part of this game will definitely be important. Um, and I think there's a good chance that whoever takes that early lead uh, will, will be able to hold on to it for a while and at least, you know, keep it competitive down the stretch. Yep. As we've been mentioning this whole time though, you know, don't worry about game state as much. Just, just win. Um, yeah, it's a good game to get drunk for. So, <laughs> uh, all right. Anything else we should say about the Beavlet before we? Move uh, on? I think I think we got it covered pretty much. Um, Sweet. Yeah, it's it's gonna gonna be an exciting game, um, an important game, and yeah, however however it happens, just hopefully it's a win. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um. You mentioned a 538 stat earlier. As we move into Pac-12 discussion, I just want to say Utah's pegged as a 57% chance to win the Pac-12 right now. Uh, Oregon at 36. So that's just kind of where we stand. Um, If the Ducks beat Oregon State, though, that number moves up to 47 for Oregon and 53 for Utah. So, uh, again, just something to keep in mind. That's kind of where we're at from a numbers standpoint right now. Um, all right, Pac-12 slate. Let's do this thing. Um, on Friday night, we have, I guess not even Friday night. We don't have to wait that long. Uh, we got a couple of pretty, well, one important game and one, like, game that is happening. Uh, the first one is Colorado. That's 4-7 and seven Colorado at number 19, Utah. Uh, Utah's 8-3, of course, coming off a big win against some team I didn't recognize. And uh, Utah's a 23-and-a-half-point favorite on this one. This is at 1 o'clock p.m. on Friday on Big Fox. Reed, how do you feel about this game? Who's going to win? Who's going to come? Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I definitely think, definitely think Utah's going to win. Um, I know that much. Uh, in terms of covering... I, I might go with uh, Colorado to cover um, just based on, I don't know, Utah's game against uh, Arizona was a bit of a head-scratcher. Um, and it's kind of just a lot of points. I don't know. You know uh, uh, national spotlight, so, a game I want to yeah. watch, but I might not. Well, I don't really want to watch it anyways. Uh, I'll go with Utah. I don't know. It's a spread, right? I don't have to have a reason for picking it. Um, the second game, though, and the much more intriguing one, is uh, six and five Washington State going to play four and seven Washington in Montlake. Wait, could could what's Washington's record again? Uh, four and seven. Reed, that would be four and seven. One one more time. Uh, three and five in Pac-12 play. That's seven total losses on the season. Seven. <laughs> Four wins. Oh. 
technically not bowl eligible, but also technically maybe because like it's that weird thing where if you don't get enough teams, you might have to scrape up some five and seven teams. Um, I don't care. I'm picking Wazoo. I think they're going to win this game, and I think that they will. Are they even favored? They're favored by one point. So give me Wazoo. Throw away the point. I don't care about it. Uh, they're going to win. Yeah, got to go with Wazoo here. Yep. Um, I'm I'm really excited for this game. That's going to be. I'm going to try to watch it. I'm I'm excited to see what happens. I feel similarly about it as I did uh, with the Washington and Colorado game last week. Owen twelve was on the No Truck Stops pod, and he described it as happiness. Um, mm-hmm. This could be another chance at just just happiness. Uh, nothing tells you the we the. <laughs> Nothing tells you UW season is off the rails like losing to Wazoo. So, uh, yeah, go check that out. Um, Arizona at Arizona State. You want to do that one next? Yeah. Sweet. This is, um, uh, well, no one will be watching this. It's 1 p.m. on the Pac-12 Network on Saturday. Uh, that's 1 in 10 Arizona at 7 and 4 Arizona State. Um, 20 and a half. To Arizona State in the Territorial Cup. How do you feel about that? Well, I'm going with uh, Arizona. All right. I just don't trust ASU. Twenty and a half points, uh, and I think Arizona's had a a weird game here or there. You know, even against Oregon, against UCLA for a bit, uh, against Washington, against USC, uh, a lot of them against Utah, where they kind of kept it pretty close against teams that people don't think they would. Um, and on the other side, I just don't really trust Arizona State's culture and motivation right now, uh, to deliver a blowout win. So I'll go with Arizona. Um, this is a game I chalk up to like just straight hate and rivalry-ness. I love the way the Pac-12 still does this where like you play your rivalry games by and large in the last week of the season, like sometimes... Stanford Cal is usually the week before, um, just because uh, like Notre Dame comes into play with a lot of these teams. But, anyways, regardless, uh, Pac-12 and Big Ten football is miles, miles better than SEC football in the last three weeks of the season. Because uh, even if you hit, yeah, maybe you get like one really, really important SEC matchup. All these Pac-12 games are played with hate in each team's heart, and that's what I love to see on the football field. So. Using that logic, I will also take Arizona against the spread. Cover that 20 and a half, baby. Like you said, they've, they've been in a lot of these games uh, that maybe they shouldn't have been. Um, yeah. Let's move to, well, let's do the last true conference matchup, uh, and then we'll pick a couple more that are just hanging around here. Um, we got Cal at UCLA in Pac-12 after dark. Cal is four and six, only played ten games because again they got that game against USC the weekend after. Um, UCLA seven and four already bowl eligible, and the Bruins are six and a half point favorites at home. DTR was begging people on Twitter to show up to the game, like literally begging them. Um, how are you feeling about this one? I have a hard time staying away from UCLA, but I want to pick Cal. Yeah, no, I'm I'm going with UCLA for sure. 
Uh, I think they're too talented. I think DTR is going to deliver a good performance probably uh, last game at, at, at the Rose Bowl. And, yeah, I, I, I think I'm – I'm not, uh, I don't know. It might just be my Chip Kelly attachment. I'm not totally ready to write him off at UCLA. Um, just some of the things he does, like putting up 62, albeit on a bad USC team, but that that's pretty impressive. Um, that's, that's a pretty good score. Um, and, yeah, uh, and this UCLA team's pretty talented, too. Um, so, yeah, I'll go with UCLA. Six and a half, you said it was? Yeah. I, I think that's I, – I, I think touchdown or more, I, I feel pretty good and good about that. I don't care about the merit of my picks anymore. I'm 12 and 28 on the season now. So uh, I'm going to pick Cal because I want to, because I want to root for him. Um, all right. Fair enough. Let's, let's move on to the Pac-12 South champion BYU Cougars visiting – USC in the Coliseum. Um, I don't know how much we're going to learn about either of these teams from this game. BYU's nine and two, so they have a shot, at, and they're ranked thirteenth, so they have a shot at like being the highest-ranked Pac-12 team by the end of the regular season. Uh, well, the joke being they're not in the Pac. I don't know why I said that. BYU's favored by seven. Reed, where are you going with this one? I'm going with BYU, man. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on. I am sad that none of these teams can get their stuff together. And I truly believe um, that Utah would beat BYU right now if they played again. But they didn't. Uh, and like we said with Oregon and Ohio State for so long, that matters. What actually happened on the field. Mm-hmm. Um and I just have no confidence in this USC team really at all. Uh, and so, yeah. That's fair reasoning, but I want to bring up some scheduled pattering, patterning right now. Uh, USC, week one, win. Week two, loss. Week three, win. Week four, loss. Week five, win. Week six, loss. Week seven, buy, which is a good thing. Week eight, loss. Week nine, win. Week 10, loss. Are you following me? Week 11, game canceled. Week 12, loss. We are now in week 13, and they will get a win against BYU. So give me the give me the Trojans. Um, wow. Yeah, I know, right? It's, it's uh, pretty astronomical stuff right there. Well, if you follow that logic, and they win this one, then there's no way that they beat Cal because they don't have a two-game win streak yet on the mm-hmm. season. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of setting up that pick. I want I Cal like people eligible so damn bad. Uh, we need them in the Cheez-It Bowl again or whatever the hell uh, they would qualify for. I don't know what like the bottom of the barrel bowls are this year. Um, let's see, is TCU Bowl eligible again? Uh, uh Four or five and six, so they could get there if they beat Iowa State. I want that Cheese Bowl rematch, baby. I want Cal into a bowl game. I don't care what happens to USC. Um, mm. Who again is same same spot as Cal? They're fighting fighting for bowl eligibility at four and six. 
Um, is that all of them? Am I missing? Yeah, I am missing one. Notre Dame at Stanford. Oh boy. <laughs> Notre Dame demolished Georgia Tech last week by like 50 points or whatever it was. And now they are 19 and a half point favorites in Stanford Stadium. Uh, I mean, give me the Irish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, the so Stanford not not doing Oregon any favors since winning that game. Do you, off the top of your head, know how many wins they have since the game against Oregon? That would be zero. Zero wins. That would be zero wins <laughs> in six tries. Do you know? How many of those games were kept within two scores? Oh, gosh. Um, the UW game? Yep. Is there another one? Uh, if there is, I don't know what it is. The Wazoo game uh, shortly after that. And that was still when Stanford, we thought, was a pretty decent oh, team. Oh, right. Yeah, that was in the... Yeah. Um, that was... Uh, after Rolo was fired, huh? But then after those two games, they lose by, let me do some quick math here, 45 to Utah, 21 to Oregon State, and 30 to Cal. Yikes. So I think I'm going to go with Notre Dame. Yep, Notre Dame to cover. Um, according to my very... Quick and dirty Google search. I can't tell if Tanner. God, nobody writes about Stanford. I don't know if Tanner McKee's going to be healthy or not. Um, whatever. I don't care. Uh, yeah, Notre Dame's going to. They have something to prove. They're trying to get into the playoff. Uh, they can. They can have this one. They're going to cover. Notre Dame's number six. Really. Are we really doing this? Where are we at as a society mentally? Dude, I, I it's pretty crazy too. And and that since he win that we kind of thought might not be that impressive against Notre Dame. It's turned out to like Notre Dame is one is I mean, they're twenty point favorites at Stanford. So in all likelihood, that's gonna be their only loss of the entire season because they don't play a conference championship game. Yeah. Um, but for those interested in bigger storylines of college football and conference realignment, um, the Notre Dame season is really interesting because um, it's long been talked about, you know, why is Notre Dame still independent? What would force them to actually join a conference as they flirt with the ACC? Uh, and I think that the big thing people have kind of hypothesized about is well they'd probably need to actually get left out of a playoff mm -hmm. as a result of them being an independent and that looks like what might happen because if if notre dame was 11 and 1 even if they played the acc schedule they're probably in you mean 12? uh yeah 12 and 1 right um yeah, because of the name and stuff. But since they're independent, it just feels like what tests have they really had to take? Um, what have they done? You know, so and they've been playing a good good ball really for a while here, mm -hmm. um, especially in the past three weeks. Uh, so yeah, yeah. 
I, I'm not going to say I can see the future here, but um, I think this is going to break the way the majority of college football fans want it. So the way I see it, like Notre Dame and Cincy are on a crash course, right? Michigan is number four, right? Or sorry, Cincy is number four right now. Michigan's six. That in itself kind of tells you where the committee's at with that. Obviously, Cincy has the head-to-head win. Basically, a lot of fans are scared that a one-loss Notre Dame is going to get in over a one-loss Cincinnati. And uh, I just, I don't know if I see that even. Like, uh, maybe not. I don't know. No, it's no, it's it's not going to happen. Like if there's there's no way that we'll it, say Cincinnati or over a one loss, over a one loss, you're saying? Okay, say Cincinnati. They play at uh, East Carolina this weekend, and then they likely play. I think it's confirmed now, though. They play Houston in the AAC championship game, right? Say they lose mm-hmm. either of those games, like close, which is more than likely how it would happen. Um, and say Notre Dame, you know, takes care of Stanford and finishes eleven and one. So you got twelve and one Cincy with a close loss um, and a non-conference champion Cincy. Well, okay, here's where it comes in. Like, do they lose in the AEC title or do they lose to Eastern Carolina? The difference I'm trying to make is like, I could see the committee saying we shouldn't, you know we shouldn't reward Notre Dame for avoiding a conference title game. Cause that is like the type of shit they would say, you know, God, that sounds so informal, but it, it is right. Either way you slice it. And I think this is what you were saying. I just don't see Notre Dame getting in over Cincy. It would just be a total indictment of everything that the committee says they're about. Um, unless one of those Cincy losses is ugly. Yeah, um, well, I mean, I'll offer another perspective on this. Uh, I think that, I think that one, I mean, a one loss Cincy, I don't think is in. And honestly, you know, what, what do they expect at a certain point? Uh, I think they're going to get in if they go undefeated. Uh, and given the slate this year, they, they deserve that, I think. But I don't know if I, one loss Notre Dame getting in, I just think there's other options the committee probably goes with. I mean, honestly, you talk about, like, you don't want to punish teams for playing in a conference championship. Uh, I think the obvious connection there is Alabama yeah. and a two-loss Bama sneaking in here. Um, if they play Georgia close, I honestly think that they probably stay ahead of uh of Notre Dame and of Cincy if they if they do lose. Uh, if Cincy goes undefeated, I think they're in. Uh, and then you also have the Big 12 has a chance to take a spot. Um, and, yeah, I, but, I mean, I don't know. We are running out of spots. If the Big 12 takes, takes itself out, if Georgia gets a blowout win uh, and Cincy loses, all of a sudden you have Georgia and Ohio State as one and two and you're really struggling to find a legit four yeah or three yeah it'll be very interesting to see how all this shakes out um but yeah it's nice to <laughs> kind of remove yourself from the whole discussion right 
uh, we don't have to have rooting interests in what happens in these games. You can just kind of sit back and enjoy them. Um, speaking of said games, uh, what are you looking at this weekend? What's what catches your eye more than anything else? Uh, well, I think the obvious one for me um, that I'm really looking at is is that Ohio State Michigan game. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm super excited for that. Uh, I'm unfortunately don't know how much i will or won't catch of it uh, especially at the end as as we pile into Autzen. um but ohio state an eight point favorite right now uh i think michigan's good i am not gonna and this is in ann arbor i'm not gonna rule out the possibility that michigan can win this game and it would turn a bunch of stuff on its head if if michigan does win this game um and also would be interesting because while I say that in one hand, I also will say that, you know, Michigan versus Wisconsin would be a pretty good game too. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, obviously we're going down, you know, a bunch of different scenarios like we just did, but even the Big Ten is not completely promised a team. Uh, whoever wins Michigan-Ohio State is going to have to play a pretty damn good Wisconsin team. And if they lose that, then there won't be a one loss team in the big 10. Um, mm-hmm. Anyways, though, Ohio state, Michigan, I'm super excited for. Um, I'm excited to see what Ohio state is like facing another really good team. Cause uh, they played Penn state close. Um, now they did blow out Michigan state, but I think that, uh, Ohio State struggles more than anything with the real tests uh, in terms of talent and physicality, uh, as they did it with Oregon uh, and Penn State, and I think Michigan presents that again. Um, so that's the big one. Um, but other games, I mean, I'm excited for so many of the little rivalries. Uh, I'm hoping to to catch some Ole Miss Mississippi State, although it might might interfere with dinner, obviously, yeah, four thirty kick. Yeah. Um, but you know, if since East Carolina is close, I'll definitely turn that on. Um, and then, you know, Iron in Bowl. terms of the big rivalries, Iron Bowl, obviously, same at the same time as the Oregon game, so you won't get to watch that. Penn State, Michigan State, uh, that's game Penn State's favored by a point in right now. Um, yeah. As as I said for a few weeks, by the way, um, for people who are paying attention. Um, <laughs> A&M has uh, produced some good games recently. Yeah, and then yeah. obviously Bedlam at um, 4:30 is really the one. Keeping yeah, that's that's the big one that get out of the get out of Watson. Uh, maybe wander over to Track Town if I can convince my parents not to drive back yet, and <laughs> and we'll yeah, see how it is. But I'll definitely want to watch Bedlam. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um. And then BYU yeah, other w- the after dark game. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's kind of a weird weekend, though. There's not, like, uh, that many that I'm crazy about. It's kind of like I am really interested in Ohio State-Michigan. I'm really interested in Oklahoma-Oklahoma State. Uh, Bama-Auburn could get interested. interesting, but one, I won't be able to watch, and two, it in all likelihood will not Bama's a 19 and a half point favorite. Um, so, you know, really I'm, I'm excited for that morning game and I'm excited for that afternoon game. And otherwise it's kind of, 
I'll I'll check in here and there, uh, monitor to see if anything really interesting is happening. But it it's not a super deep slate, but it's a really great top heavy slate. You know if that makes sense. Yeah, and a lot of those like second or third tier like sort of rivalry games come on Friday actually. Um, yeah. You mentioned the Pac-12 ones, but like Iowa and Nebraska is a one point spread right now. Uh, yeah, Boise State, game, San totally. Diego State at 9 a.m. on Friday. Go check that out. Like that, that could be a really, really good game. Um, seven and four Boise State, Andy Avalos's Boise State, Cyrus Bibiolikio's Boise State is actually a two and a half point favorite in Sandy in Carson for this game. I didn't know that. Yeah, is that usually where San Diego State plays in Carson? Yeah, we're we're talking about. Um, SRS simple rating system a little bit earlier mm-hmm. uh, and I'd been digging through those numbers and you know an interesting fact is uh, obviously there's two non power five teams uh, in the top 10 that being Notre Dame and and um, Cincinnati but the next non power five team that shows up is Boise State <laughs> Um, despite being seven and four, and uh, do you know where they? Can you give me a guess where you think they land in SRS? Like overall? Yeah. Oh, uh, right ahead of Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> a, a bit ahead of Oregon, actually. Oh. Um, they land at twenty-one. They're right ahead of Oklahoma wow. and Arkansas. <laughs> So some of those, I mean, that's a that's just one metric, but it's one of those that suggests that Avalos is doing some good things at Boise State. So good for them. It would certainly be a big win. Uh, I don't know what the conference title landscape is over there, whether Boise State can climb back into that. Ooh, they ooh, are 5-2. and two in the, um, yeah. <laughs> Because Utah State lost to Wyoming last week, and I believe Boise State Air Force – and Utah State are all in the mix for the Mountain West Mountain Division title. Um, meanwhile, on the other side, Nevada and San Diego State and Fresno State are all probably in the mix. Now, I think they are all in the mix for the West title. So a couple like potential three-way ties to keep an eye on just glancing at records um, in the Mountain West. So that is a hugely important game mm. for both of those teams. Yeah. Check it out. Also, go watch Matt um, Reza if you haven't done it yet, for the love of God. Uh, San Diego State's punter, I'm almost not joking when I say he should be a Heisman candidate. So, yeah. <laughs> Dude, he's insane. He is, yeah, totally, totally. Better than most um, NFL punters, as I understand it. Any other games? No, I think that's pretty much good for me. Uh, Unless you have other ones, uh, there's one other thing I wanted to touch on real quick. Do you have any others you want to point out? North Carolina, NC State, again, Friday game, Hmm. 7 o'clock, or sorry, 4 o'clock, ESPN. Go watch the MLS playoffs. I don't care if you're not a soccer fan. Go do it. Uh, The Timbers play at 1.30 on Thanksgiving, so you can sit there and watch that before you – you know, instead of boring ass NFL football, which sucks. Yeah. Um, well, the turkeys in the oven watch the timbers. Exactly. Exactly. Um, the the other thing I wanted to just touch on real quick is 
um, I guess, ex- except for the USC-Cal game. This is the last uh, Pac-12 regular season day of play or weekend of play. So uh, I wanted to look at just what are the implications for bowl eligibility and, and what does this conference look like right now? Uh, spoiler alert, it's not looking great. <laughs> um, yeah, so Stanford... Three and eight, they're completely done. Uh, Arizona one ten, they're done. Buffs are four and seven, they're completely done. Um, and then yeah, after that, yeah, right. Washington, Washington's four and seven. Can't forget them. They're pretty much done. I will say, you know, you mentioned if if you have to grab a five and seven team to complete the Bulls. Uh, I am interested if Washington gets an invite just because obviously they're they're because of their spectacular failure of a season. <laughs> they are one of the better brands that's gonna be at five wins. Oh, oh, um, another game though that relates to this. Florida and Florida State are both five and six. So one of those is gonna yeah. end up being like a better pull team than than you dub. Yeah, that's that's definitely true, actually. Um, and I I wonder too, like with you know you don't have a coach, do you even accept a bowl invite? Um, <laughs> I mean, it's not like COVID I, I ca- times where you have to stay together the whole time, right? Like you could still probably go home and see family and stuff, right? Um. Anyways, yeah. So, so who are the teams that are really in the mix? Well, Oregon's Oregon's up there. They're going to get a good bowl one way or another. Um, I think even if Oregon loses this game, um, it seems like Alamo Bowls probably where the worst place Oregon could head. I think they kind of have that second spot for the Pac-12 on lock, pretty much. Um, it's tough to see Oregon slipping out of the rankings uh, because there's no way that Oregon can finish with more than three losses, and they're at 11 right now. Um, and on top of that, just the brand and the fan base probably is going to be a top choice of those other bowls. So Alamo's – do you know if Alamo is just the place uh, where they'll go? I mean, I don't know that for certain, but I'm using your same logic. I'm more than – yeah, if, if we don't end up making the Rose Bowl, I'm assuming we're in the Alamo Bowl. Um, even if, like, one of the other North schools gets to the title game and loses, um, or even beats Utah for some reason. Uh, yeah, I, I'm looking at the bowl tie-in. So, so Pac-12 has seven spots, it looks like. Rose Bowl, Alamo Bowl, Las Vegas Bowl, Holiday Bowl, Tony the Tiger Bowl, LA Bowl, and Red Box Tony Bowl. Tony the Tiger Bowl. Which may or may not be played, it sounds like. Um, <laughs> I love this, this sport. W- yeah. Um, anyways, so, dude, it's it's actually the fact that Oregon could have made a playoff and bumped everyone a rung down on this would have been hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um because like the Alamo Bowl would have had to find someone who wasn't Oregon or Utah. Um, anyways, uh, after that though, um, Washington State's six and five. They're in a good spot. Uh, Beeves at seven and four. They will be going bowling and, and excited about that. Arizona State and UCLA also there. 
Um, so that's six teams that we feel good about going to a bowl game right now. I mean, um, six who are eligible, right? Yeah. Uh, and other than that, dude, it's pretty it's pretty tough to see it. I mean, Cal would have to beat UCLA and USC back-to-back to make a bowl game um, or to get to six and six. Uh, and USC has to beat uh, Notre Dame, or not Notre Dame, BYU, and uh, Cal back to back to make a bowl game. So, yeah. You know what? I didn't expect to be saying this, but I'm going to have to throw a bit of a wrench in what you just said because I was totally agreeing with it. But according to the list I'm looking at right now, it has the Las Vegas Bowl as number two for the Pac 12. Maybe this is a new development that I've missed or something. But it says that mm. in, in even years, it's Pac-12 versus SEC, and in odd years, it's Big Ten versus Pac-12. So, I mean, the Las Vegas Bowl isn't anything to write home about, but uh, I, don't, I don't... Why is this the way this is? I'm, I'm very confused. Uh, so anyways, I guess... I see a... Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of... Um, well, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Huh. Either way, I mean, we should get a pretty catch a pretty good opponent no matter if it's Alamo or Las Vegas. Uh I mean, there's plenty of good Big 10 teams this year and there's plenty of decent uh Big 12 teams as well. I mean, again, if it's Oregon versus somebody, I'm assuming it's going to be the Big 12's like number 2, so Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Baylor, you know, that's a that would be pretty opponent. Either way. Yeah, that'd be pretty crazy to play at Oklahoma in an Alamo Bowl. I think that people would definitely definitely be interested in that matchup. Um, Big Ten, we'd be looking at like maybe Michigan. That would be crazy, or like another in a Wisconsin Rose Bowl. Game. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, uh, I'd I'd love to play Michigan. Um, not, I think they're good. Just I don't really know if I want to play Wisconsin. <laughs> Round three yeah. in the Rose Bowl in the past decade. Yeah, especially um, considering their perception has dwindled this season for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, yeah, their perception has dwindled. Meanwhile, I think they're playing like a borderline top 10 team maybe. I don't know, top 15. They're good. I, I don't know if Oregon would be favored in that game even. Yeah, Wisconsin has like the second best defense in the country. Uh, behind georgia obviously so yeah um all right well that's yeah that's that's good to look at i mean i don't feel guilty about doing it because as you said like we're pretty much uh well we are literally guaranteed a bowl spot and we're almost certainly guaranteed the alamo bowl uh unless we beat utah knock on wood that we get there um anything else you got before we're done with this i think that's pretty much it man um yeah, like like we said, you know, if you if you want to torture yourself and hear our thoughts on the Utah game more, <laughs> we went like two hours on that. After that, I don't really have anything else to say. I'm sure we'll circle back around and have more discussions about, you know, how successful it was or wasn't this season after it's all said and done or, or maybe in the lead up to a bowl game. But for now, it's kind of full steam ahead of with this game and and you know if if Oregon does win this game then a Pac-12 title game is on a Friday so it's kind of picks up pretty quick um but yeah 
Yep. That's it for me. Um, that Utah reaction as well isn't just like talking about how terrible we played the whole time. It's a lot of like high level uh, program wide analysis about you know what if anything needs to change and how we like Mario and all that kind of stuff. So uh, definitely good content that we would be willing. There were a lot of that episode we would be willing to say. Uh, even if it didn't come after the Utah game, so um. yeah, the uh, the Ducks uniforms just got released, all greens. Oh, did they? Yeah, we uh, usually like to go all green against Oregon State. I like that. Yeah, that's kind of what I expected. I wonder if if the Beavs are gonna wear uh, color versus us or not, because um, sometimes we go color oh, yeah. on color. No, that's true. I think they'll wear their stupid like cream puff uniform colors again like the oh dude those are I, uh, yeah just, those are annoying. just make it white dear god don't go with this off white like bs but yeah i like those 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 green ones are clean um, yeah do you see the beeves uniforms last week uh yes i love i liked those a lot actually obviously i hate the beavers but those were sick yeah yeah totally they should just make those their full-time uniforms, if I'm being honest. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. That's pretty sweet. All right, man. Uh, go check out what Reed writes on Scoop Duck. Go check out what I write on daily for the Daily Emerald. Uh, again, if you see those physical game day copies, that's me and my friends. Go pick that up. Check it out. There's a lot of good guys grinding to make that content. So, uh, and we're all students. So, yeah. Go Ducks. Go Ducks.